Welcome back, everyone. It's Chase and Josh with Factor Fantasy. That's Chase. I'm Josh. We are here to give you episode three in season two of our show. Today, we are going to be covering the standalone movie Shang-Chi. Uh, last week, we covered Venom, and I will be the first one to say I loved Venom. thought it was a good movie overall. And then I watched Shang-Chi, and I said, oh, that's what a superhero movie is supposed to look like. My mind was blown. I loved it. We're going to jump into it. Kind of same sort of format that we had last week with Venom 2. Before I do so, I'm going to give Chase the opportunity to say hey, and then we're going to get into it. Yeah, man. I, th- I think that's the mistake I made. I watched Shang-Chi uh, first, and then Shang uh, Venom second. So just like you're saying, but it I think that was the problem was... Venom, I expected more out of it because I watched Shang-Chi first because it pretty much blew me away. It had uh, everything I wanted in a film as far as fantasy-wise. It had martial arts. It had fight scenes on buses. It had dragons. It even had a Dragon Ball Z Easter egg. (laughs) So I was pretty uh, impressed, man. And uh, I got to say, you know, I was wondering how well the mcu would bounce back after the pandemic right and and they definitely have left their mark for what's going into i guess it's like phase five technically of marvel marvel so um what do you think of that like after the pandemic after everything is kind of like slowed to a halt and now they're kind of bouncing back what's your take on this thing jay nelly well, here's the thing. It's not like it's the first production they've done since the pandemic, right? We have, you know, obviously, here's a spoiler alert. We didn't, not spoiler alert. We, we talked about it two weeks ago in our State of the Union episode. But they've done WandaVision series on Disney+. Plus. They've got Loki. They've got Falcon Winter Soldier. So we, we've kind of seen some Marvel productions. And all of them have been really, really good, in my opinion. And, um, you know, that. so it's like it's not like it was this is like this long hiatus and we had nothing in between and now our minds are blown. We've had some, at least an inkling of what they were up to. And then on top of that, they dropped Black Widow before Shang-Chi as well. So, I mean, this more or less, it just, it's a cherry on top of everything. It was honestly, it's got to be right now in one of my top three Marvel films all time. I had, I mean, I'm putting it up that high and I'll explain a little bit why when we kind of dive into it. But in terms of talking about, you know, the way they came back after the pandemic, it's just, to me, it's just more the same of the excellence that they've shown over the past few years and how they've improved every single time. That's that's my take on it. Yeah, I, I agree. And um, I got to say, I, I mean, they never cease to impress me. Like every time I think a movie is going to kind of stale out, right? Everything, every time I think one's going to be just kind of like a cash drop, it never is. And I think Shang-Chi is one of these movies that just came out of nowhere like there's there's no actor that we already knew was a stud right there's no all-star actor that they just signed some major contract to um and it's a story too yes it's in the comics but even as uh myself a big comic guy it's not one i even know necessarily as uh being very familiar with like i feel like spider-man venom hulk um even iron man somewhat uh is very familiar to the comic audience but shang chi is is one that really has 
uh, taking us all by surprise, and I was impressed with it. And um, yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and let Jay Nelly take it away. Gonna break it down for us today, and uh, I'm excited for this one. I think it's gonna be a badass uh, one-shot episode. Yeah, I do kind of like doing these one-shot episodes too, right? Like very, I, I was really impressed with the way we tackled Venom Two and how we were able to keep it efficient. Like we said, we even like, had a section for debates and. It all really wrapped up nicely when it was all said and done with us giving our thoughts on where it could go from there. And so, you know, those things are very exciting. And so I'm hoping we can kind of do the same thing with Shang-Chi today. Um, but before I do that, let me go ahead and uh, fill up a little bit of this cup here. Give Chase the old malice and the chalice cheers before we get us ourselves started. <laughs> because uh, I don't know if you guys saw last week's episode. We hit each other with that tipsy gypsy card. So I'm only going to pour a little bit in here because I don't know if he's going to come at me with that again on this one. So I'm just going to pour a little bit for a little uh, toast and then I'll dive into my little summary that I made while watching Shang-Chi so brother happy episode 3 of season 2 Malice and Chalice cheers to you man Malice and the Chalice baby I uh man that uh tipsy gypsy car last week put me on the couch i was dozing off <laughs> I, was doz- I was working on some tech work for jay nelly for a moment and i was my eyes were fluttering <laughs> i was like you gotta hang in there man you just got power through <laughs> but uh no jay nelly uh kick us off man um you're the coach of the show you know i'm always catching passes on those vert routes let's make it happen today baby let's give the give the people what they want you got it, Alice in the Chalice, brother. Cheers, brother. Ah, nice, nice and cold and crisp. All right. So to dive into Shang-Chi, so this is like the legend of the Ten Rings, right? And this is one of the differences that we talk about how Marvel does take liberties on uh, the topics they cover, right? Because if you guys remember, in the comics, the Ten Rings were actually rings that you fit on your fingers, where in this movie, there are rings that kind of go on your forearm. And so, anyways, like the, the whole legend of it, and I even started with the legend that they have behind it when they were giving us the backstory, the narrator was giving us the backstory. Basically, uh, the, the thought process behind it was this the supreme leader guy, that I'm going to give his name later on, he found the rings in a crater, or maybe stole them from a tomb, and what they did was they gave him the strength of a god and eternal life. The issue is... This guy ended up using, he wanted power, so he used them for evil as opposed to using them for good. And then just as the you know number of rings that he has on his arms, he created an army with the same moniker. So he created the Ten Rings Army. Now, this army spread over like, across the world, kind of taken over a little bit at a time as the years have gone by. We're talking thousands of years of... Uh, the Ten Rings taking over civilizations, all the government, you know. So now we're kind of at this point, we get into the where it says 1996, and in 1996, the narrator continues on talking about how this guy with the Ten Rings, he's chased money and power. They call him the Mandarin, right? So he chased money and power for over a thousand years. Uh, he found this hidden village, and basically, this hidden village has some sort of ancient magic that he wants to find, and so he invades it. But the issue is, is when he invades it, he goes in with this vehicle, all of a sudden the forest starts moving and shifting, and it was really cool, and what ended up actually happening is the trees and how everything came up and knocked the car off to the side, and it fell off this cliff, 
But thankfully, I don't even know if I should say thankfully, uh, the bad guy ended up saving himself because he used the ten rings, busted open the, the car door, and like fell onto the side of the cliff and, and like held there while his henchman or whatever fell off the entire cliff with the vehicle, presumably dead, never to be seen again, because they never come up again, right? So, basically, uh, the city they're looking for is a city called Talo. Uh, he gets to this, you know, ends up finding his way through the forest, gets to, I wouldn't even say the entrance, maybe close to the entrance, and he finds this protector of the forest. It's this woman, and she's beautiful, and you can tell, like, the, what I really loved about this movie, too, is very culturally themed. Like, very, very culturally themed. And I'll talk more about that, you know, later on in this in this episode. But he starts, you know, he basically wants to enter the city of Talo, and this woman is telling him, like, no, like, you cannot, I'm going to... You know, I'm going to stop you. You ain't getting past me, basically. So they had this really cool fight. But this fight was almost like a dance, if you guys watch it. It really was. It was. It, they were hitting each other, but the movements, it was so graceful, so fluid. She really did kind of move like water. If you're ever a big martial arts fan, there's this guy named Bruce Lee that if you haven't heard about, you're probably young. If you're old, like us, you have heard of him, and he was one of the best. You know, he even said like moving like water is, is like what helped him you know, be who he was, and this woman basically did exactly like that, you know, and and the end all be all of that is that in that fight she actually got the better of this guy with the ten rings. He's got the ten rings that give him the power of God and eternal life, and she's got whatever ancient magic the city is helping her possess. And like you know, she's one with herself and her surroundings, and she ends up defeating this guy, knocks him into the the little fountain pool there. And what's really funny about it is in that fight it was such a spark connection that they actually fell in love. And they ended up getting married together, and they had a kid. And this is like, who? Then we finally figure out at this point the narrator is actually the woman, the protector of the forest. She's the narrator, and she's actually telling the story to her son, which is going to be where this goes into this movie and how it, you know, kind of goes from there. So basically, she was telling him that the magic from the great protector helped her beat him. And, you know, the little boy asks, like, can you still do that now? And she tells him, no, I, I left my magic behind in Talo with the dragon. And that is, like, like when she says that, that's a foreshadow. Because I didn't know, like, what that meant. It could have meant a couple things. Um, could have been literal. It could have been metaphorical. Who knew? But I, I did make sure I jotted that down when she said she left her magic behind in Talo with the dragon. So all of a sudden, we kind of cut into present day. So we, we, like, you know, we, we have, like I said, the, the, the big bad guy. The protector of the forest they marry they have this child that we see at this point in time then from there we just cut to present day and all we see is this guy who's basically uh, like his alarm goes off he gets up does some push-ups goes to his job as a valet guy he's him and his best friend <laughs> they run valet and you know it's i'm not, not you know knocking down on any sort of profession like you know yeah pay your bills you got put money on the table but for all the stuff that we just saw up into this point in time it was almost like anticlimactic like we we're expecting the son to be some sort of something and he's a valet driver and you know that's fine um <laughs> but he goes by the name sean and uh him and his katie his friend katie that's the other girl that's with him you know, we kind of get this uh, feeling that they're very irresponsible. They don't really care much about what's going on. Like, you know, when that guy comes in, they take his nice red car out for a joyride, like ripping through it, doing like Fast and Furious cuts and <laughs> spins and drifts and shit. It was cool to see. Then afterwards, you know, like, like they go out to meet with their friends at dinner. And their friends basically tell them they need to grow up in a way. 
and they didn't really take that very well. Anyways, after that dinner, they are like, oh, maybe we should go home and get started for an early night's sleep. Then the girl's like, or then all of a sudden they're out there doing drunk karaoke, taking shots, like just having a grand old time. <laughs> and, you know, they they end up, you know, not going to bed early, doing the right thing, I guess I could say. Like it kind of shows their immaturity still at this point in time. Um, so then they, we kind of have them wake up. He goes to get her to work. It like She goes to her place and I guess she lives with her family there because you see the mom and the grandma. Her name's like Maipoa, which I think is a Chinese uh, term for grandmother, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and it's kind of cool because she gives a little bit of a foreshadow where she like leaves out things for what they call the Day of the Dead, so that way the the departed can take them with them or whatever. And how then basically she's saying like uh, moving on, like, like the elders, the mom and the grandmother, but basically saying moving on is an American concept. And you know, like Katie's like, well, guess what? You're in America. So, but the cool thing is, is it kind of shows like she's like, you know, this is a connection to the departed and how everything's connected from down the line. And that's going to come up to have a big play later in this movie as well. So now he kind of jump into, and then also before they walk out, like the my poet asks, like you know, when are you going to ask her to marry you? And she's like, hey, he's like, hey, we're just friends. So they're like, at this point in time, Katie <laughs> and Sean are just friends. So we uh, we get we cut to the scene on this bus that Chase was kind of talking about uh, to start this off. And this like this is when I was like, oh shit, like this stuff just got real. Like what in the world? Like these fight scenes are insane. You know, exa- exactly what we lack from Venom too in terms of like the choreographed fight scenes and the length of them is exactly where Shang-Chi stepped up to the plate. So I will say yeah. this, like they basically walk onto this bus, they see this emerald pendant that Sean has on his neck and this guy wants to take it. So there's obviously some meaning to it. We don't really know what the meaning is at this point in time. But they all just attack him. And, like, you know, it's funny because Katie even says, like, why like, why are you attacking him? Like, obviously, you can see him. Does he look like he fights? Then all of a sudden, he fights. <laughs> <laughs> like, and not only does right. he fight, uh, I even put, like, in all caps, dude whoops they ass. Like, like, like there's, yeah. there's maybe, what, five or six people on this bus trying to fight this guy. And he's fighting them all off. Like Craig has said, crazy choreographed fight scenes amazing martial arts it looked great there was spins there was flips there was punches kicks the you know the towels were used the guy had a sword hand and he sliced down and the guy <laughs> the guy grabbed the laptop to block it and gave it back to the girl with two halves of the laptop and you know while this is all happening you know the bus driver ends up getting knocked unconscious so now this like they're driving it's like we gotta figure out how like the bus is gonna stop you got civilians on there but they're watching this crazy fight and it was funny there's this one guy that's like like videoing it the whole time while he's commentating on it's like hey i did martial arts back in the day i'm gonna rate this fight and we're gonna see how it goes and, <laughs> and then like he sees like what actually happened he's like oh gosh <laughs> so um oh it was really cool so we see this crazy fight scene and, and what we kind of almost have, I would not say a full full circle moment quite yet, but you know how they were joyriding and Katie was the driver um, in that red car. She takes over the bus because obviously he's got his hands full of trying to fight everybody on the damn bus. And uh, anyways, long story short, like they end up surviving. Like the bus breaks in half. Like he has this awesome plan where like he gets all the civilians to the front, breaks the back of the bus off. He survives it. But at the end of the whole thing, even though he survived and basically looked everybody's ass, uh, somehow they still got his pendant. And this is going to be right. like, a driving like force going forward, right? So um, all we, what we hear actually Swordhand say, and I, like, I call him Swordhand because I don't know his real name. I'm sorry, guys. You guys will probably know <laughs> it. But this is what I'm, I'm calling it. Uh, 
Swordhand tells me, he's like, you and your sister deserve what's coming. And that was a little bit of a foreshadow. You know, and I forgot to mention in the very beginning that he received a postcard from, like, his sister in Macau. But that's going to come up here right now. But anyways, uh, we, we kind of realize that the bad guys are going after his sister in Macau. And he's, he, now he needs to kind of go there to protect her because he shows Katie the postcard. And, you know, that's where we think that the whole thing's going to happen is that she sent that for asking for help. And so now when he saw the people after him, they're like, oh, she's got a pendant just like mine. We've got to go there to protect her. And we actually learn, he actually says to, to Katie as well that these these guys, the Ten Rings, were sent by his dad. So he tells kind of Katie that he's got to go there, basically to stay put. And she's like, well, you can give me the story on the plane. I'm going with you. So, And you know what? I will, I will say, like, I do love how they're starting to take a comical side effect to things because... I remember on the plane, they were talking, and he was starting to go into a story, then, like, the airplane stewardess came up and asked him what they wanted, and, like, yeah, there, it was something about vegetarian, a chicken, or beef, and they're like, we want chicken, he's like, oh, sorry, there's no chicken, and then, like, alright, well, we'll take vegetarian, <laughs> ooh, just ran out of vegetarian, so what do you want, and then she's like, um, well, well, beef, because that's all you have, and right. I, he's, like, he's like, okay, and you? And he's like, he'll take the beef too. <laughs> like, like it just, it was just really, really funny. But, anyways, I just, I like the comedic effect that they're starting to add into these, um, into these movies. But, anyways, uh, we start to. He kind of goes into this flashback when he's given Katie the story of how he grew up. We see this thing where, like, uh, his father. He started. Uh, well, let me back up a couple seconds. He gives his actual real name. So he's been calling himself Sean, but his actual name is Shong. And in a way, she makes fun of him doing that, too. She's, you know, it's like, it's like me and they calling myself Michael <laughs> than going by Michelle. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so now we know who Shang-Chi is. It's this man here that was valet that just whipped everybody's ass on a bus. Um, but we got to get this flashback of where the father started uh, Shang's training after the mother died. We haven't seen how the mother died yet. But at this point in time, you know, we start seeing that after the mom died, he started this training. And he said it was from sunup to sundown, he was taught every way to kill a man. And he started, like, and this, and this was at a young age. And we actually learn he was sent on his first assignment at age 14. And she asked him, did you go through with it? And he said, no, I didn't go through with it. He said, I, I ran and I've been on the run ever since. It's a little bit of a foreshadow for what's coming up later on. Anyways, they uh, they arrive in Macau and they try to find his sister. And his sister's name is like Zhu Zhaling, and they're trying to find her because, like I said, at this point in time, they think that the sister sent the postcard asking, you know, for him to come help her. She's got a pendant just like his. His pendant got taken. So now things are starting to kind of you know wheel in motion. Uh, it's funny though because like they go up this elevator thing. They're in this building that's definitely not up to code. You know, it looks like half like open to the <laughs> public and stuff. And you know, this raggedy elevator. Anyways, they get in there and this guy just is all up in their face like, "Oh, you're a viral sensation. You got two million views in two days." And about like the fight with him on the buses and all that. And basically, he, what they are running is this huge fighting pit, very similar to you know uh, I would say Game of Thrones where they had like the the Slavers Bay and they did like uh, yeah. people in the pits and stuff. They had like the low level fights, and he's like, "Are we gonna be fighting there?" He's like, "Oh no, you're gonna be fighting there on the grand stage." <laughs> but what's really cool is like we also have a little bit of a cameo from 
the guy's name is Wong, which is, if you guys remember, he's Doctor Strange's, like, roommate, I think. <laughs> like, I don't think he's definitely his friend. I think they live together in that, like, place where he lives. <laughs> but anyways, we see, like, him, like, you know, uh, Wong fighting this big monster, and it hits him. He's like, how do you want to know? Like, do you want to know how your, like, your, that punch feels? And then the guy swings at him again, and he opens up that portal from the side and ends up hitting himself in the face with the darn portal thing. And then, like... It just shows really cool stuff on, on that. So I thought that was a cool little cameo of our boy Wong. And, you know, this is not going to be the last time we see him in this movie either. So just keep that in mind. But, uh, yeah, you know, they make Shang-Chi fight in the gladiator pit. And when they bring her out, like we, the reason we can tell who it is is because on her neck is this green pendant. So he's actually fighting against his sister. And we get to see that badass fight between those two. And you can see that he didn't really want to fight her. Like, he's just trying to, you know, be there. And um, she's, like, taking it personally. She's pissed off. And we don't know really why. We're going to learn why. But she ends up, like, whooping his ass because he's, like, basically not fighting back. He's just trying to get her off him. Like, you know, listen, like, can we just, like, get it together here? But at the end, anyways, after she kicks him in the face and knocks him down, and, like, there's blood splattered out of his mouth, and he's, like, looking down at the people underneath the, the gladiator pit thing there, whatever it was. Like, we start hearing this alarm sound ringing. And, um, basically, what that was, was that, uh, the ten rings had come back. So, we get a little bit of flashback, too, as well. Because he tells her, like, hey... Uh, dad, like dad's coming for us, coming for you, and she said you shouldn't have come back. So we get this like flashback to when they were kids, where his sister tells him not to leave her there, and he lies basically and says I'll be back in three days. And you know she kind of goes through like the the thing with um, Katie there as well after they had already done that fight there in this little room, and they're going through like a oh, three days turned into a week, turned into a month, turned into six years. So she also she obviously holds some resentment for him leaving her behind and her having to survive on her own but then so i, I kind of jumped the gun because after that point in time he tells her that they took his pendant and they're coming for hers next and uh she he realizes that she didn't send the postcard the postcard was a trap and that is when the ten rings swarm in and they have this big old badass fight again the the fight scenes in all of this movie were super badass there was like five or six fight scenes they're all great you know, we, yeah. we had the very beginning one with the, the, the big bad guy that we're going to learn about here in a little bit with the mom. And then we had the one on the bus. Now we got this one here in, in Macau, China with with uh, the Ten Rings swarming in. They're fighting on like the, the back. Uh, it's almost like a building that hasn't been fully constructed. There, there's like poles and stuff. They're falling over. People are falling to their deaths and like they're trying to fall and she like she's even on this band katie like is he tells her because she's got like no martial arts ability it's just you know shang and and uh Zhao Zhenling that are fighting everybody and honestly uh Zhao she leaves everywhere like, basically she bounces out and leaves them to fend for themselves and so he tries to save her and she's on this like bamboo stick talking about katie and like the pole falls and as it's falling uh he, like like she he like uh shang she catches her like, on his arm but then he gets like tased in the chest and like is forced to to let her go like from his hand and she falls like basically to her death except Zhu Zhenling catches her and brings her in and then she goes back up to join the fight and it was kind of funny because she even he's like you left us to die and she's like well now you know how it feels and so that was a little full circle moment <laughs> right. there and now we have the sister and brother Zhu Zhenling and Shang Chi fighting against the ten rings together and so they're they're holding their own but they end up getting 
uh, her pendant, this this guy in this big mask does, and he's kind of, I would say, maybe one of the leaders or whatever. He's like, he's like a full assassin, but he ends up getting up to the part, gets away from Shang-Chi and Zhu Zhenling, and he's about to jump into the helicopter. No, so there's another badass fight scene when like, uh, Shang-Chi like, tackles that guy. Then they got like the ninja stars and they're fighting each other one-on-one -on -one in front of the helicopter. It's badass. And then all of a sudden, uh, like, basically Shang-Chi gets the better of him. He's about to like stab down to kill a guy. And then we see one of these rings fly by and like knock him back. And we're like, whoa, what's going on? And we, you know, the, the camera pans over and it's the father. So the father's there. Uh, <laughs> he shows up, he stops Sean from killing the assassin, and he has all ten rings on, he tells them, all oh, it's time to come home. And what's kind of crazy too, so now this guy's got all ten rings on, and, and we see, he, he doesn't look exactly the same, it looks like, like so the years have done him not well, and he, I wouldn't say like he looked old or not, but he definitely looked troubled. And definitely. It, it was funny too, because uh, one of the other things that was said as they were on the way to what what dad considered home, which was the compound with where he where he lived at, like the sister was talking, and Shuzhen Ling was talking, and she was saying that, you know, the father said back after the his wife died, the mother died, that he couldn't even look at her because she reminded him so much of his dead wife. So, um, she said she ran away at 16. That's another cool fact. Uh, Shuzhen Ling ran away at 16 years old. But um, we get we kind of have this cutscene back to. Uh, the kid, like as a kid, and it's got like Shang Chi punching this uh, pole, this like, this wooden pole, and it, as a kid, and he's got like his knuckles are all bloody. It's scabbing up his knuckles, and and obviously you don't want kids to be doing that, right? But this father is insane. He's a psycho. He wants to train his son to be you know a weapon, a, a mindless killer. And what he tells him, he's like, if you want these to be yours one day, referring to the ten rings on his arm, he's like, you have to show me that you are strong enough to carry them. And that's going to be a little bit of a foreshadow too, but what we find out too is that you know he thought he Shang Chi thought he ran away and got away and somehow his father found him. Apparently his father knew where he was the whole time and he allowed him to live ten years on to live on his own. And when he hasn't really amounted to much, this is where this whole valet driver thing comes back in. He's like he's like what have, like what have you done? Like what have you accomplished in the ten years I let you live alone? It's time for you to be who you're supposed to be. So. Uh, we kind of get an idea of how much this guy, and this sucks, because what, what happens with villains? You know, growing up as a kid, we always think these villains were just evil and had, like, just the worst intentions from day one. But in reality, it's usually not the case. They usually have a very good, like, objective, but their way of going about accomplishing it is just terrible. And so this, this guy, like, um, he just wants his wife, right? Like, he wants to be reunited with his wife. That's the, that's the whole main thing of it. It was t She was taken too soon from him. She made him be a better person. He even said, he's like, like, she showed me a part of myself that I didn't know was there. And so, the, you know, he's just a regular old man who's destroyed on the inside that his wife was killed and taken from him. Uh, basically, this and the, these two people gave up each other, gave everything up for each other. She gave up the magic from the ancient village and left Talo. He gave up the Ten Rings and locked him in the box. And we find out at this point in time what his real name is. So the possessor of the Ten Rings and this guy who's been around for thousands of years causing all sorts of problems, his name is Wen Wu. Alright? So keep that in mind. And what he tells everyone now that they are all back at this compound at the quote-unquote home, he tells them the city of Talo is hiding a gate deep in the mountains where your mother is waiting for us. 
So this gate in the mountains, this is going to come up big. But basically, he's hearing these voices. And he believes it's his dead wife or the, you know, the dead mother of the children. Uh, he basically said it, it, it's the city of Talo's fault that all this is going on. So the elders did not let them live together in Talo. And we'll figure out why that is, you know, later on down the way as well. So the Pops brings out both of the pendants that, you know, Wenwu brings out the pendants that he took from Zhu Zheling and Shang-Chi and puts them in this dragon's eye. And this is, again, the, the visual stunningness of what we are about to, I'm about to describe to you. I can't even do it justice in words. You need to see it on screen. But, like, the water pours out from all angles, but it's in slow motion, and you can actually touch and move the water. And we start to see it form up in different angles and ways, and all of a sudden it drops to the ground, and we see an opening of like a water maze. And what that water maze is, it shows the path to Talo, the ancient village. So that I just thought that was really amazing to look at and to see. But uh, yeah, then so what we learn about is that the path only opens once a year. And so, and both obviously the sister and the brother, you know, talking about Zhu Jinling and, and Shang-Chi and Katie, honestly, at this point, they all think this guy's kind of crazy for thinking the mother's speaking to him. So they just ask him, like, hey, like, what happens if they don't let you come in and try to take your wife back, your our mother back? And he says, I'll burn their village to the ground if they don't open the gate. So again, like the villain, the, like villains have a, like good intentions, but they go about it all the wrong way most of the time. Right. So, anyways, uh, they basically said they're not going to be a part of it, so they get locked up in this dungeon underneath the compound. And then we have this crazy full circle moment from Iron Man three. If you guys remember the jester in there, his <laughs> his name is Trevor. He is actually in Iron Man three. And if you guys remember who this guy is, he basically was an actor who was hired to portray the terrorist leader of the Ten Rings, dubbed the Mandarin. So this whole time, like in Iron Man 3, you thought this guy was a Mandarin. We find out later he was an actor hired to play him. And so he was taken to prison. So he, he played this really big badass in Iron Man 3. And obviously that's Chase and I's least favorite Marvel movie like ever because like, you know, just... We talked, we talked about that last year. I'm not getting back into it. My point being, they bring yeah. an actor in from an other outside movie, which is a, it's amazing how they're you know bringing things in. And, and anyways, he still has his acting chops, but there's this creature that's like a fluff ball with wings that's got no face that he's been speaking to named Morris. And that is going to play a big role coming up here in a little bit. But, uh, yeah, there there is... Uh, this furry creature says he, he grew up with Shang and Zhu Zheling's mom in Talo, and he wants to be taken home. And basically, he tells him, like, I can take you there. Well, the, the little creature does. And he tells Trevor, the actor, and, and obviously, the years have not done well to Trevor, right? He's kind of, like, hallucinating. Like, he's been in prison for so long, like, in the dark thing. He's disoriented. He really doesn't know what's going on. At first, he didn't even know if the creature was talking to him. But when they, they are, or if it was even real, and when they all acknowledge seeing it, he's like, oh, Oh, I do, I'm not hallucinating it. This is amazing. You can see he's actually kind of a clown. He's not dangerous at all. Where in Iron Man 3, you thought he was the big badass. But he's not the big <laughs> badass. And it, he actually has a funny moment later on in this movie as well, too. So, anyways, the uh, creature tells him that they can take it there. Uh, take him there right there. And he's like, what are the odds we get there? He said, 90%. And then the setting is like, oh, I'm sorry, 19%. <laughs> so I thought that was pretty funny. 
So anyways, uh, the sister, Zhu Zhengling, she discovers this tunnel path under the compound. That's how she escaped last time. So they break out this thing. They have this really cool car chase. And again, Katie's the one driving because she's a badass behind the wheel. She's in this weird position <laughs> where, where everyone is a martial arts expert except her. And she's just there for the ride. But she does do one thing very well, and that's drive. And so... Um, as they drive, they, they get away from him and they start approaching there. It cuts back to Wen Wu, and he brings in, I call him Sword Hand. He's like, prepare the men for war. So we're going to start seeing like this big battle coming up here. So now we got this car path to Taolo. Morris is telling Katie where to turn and how fast to go so they don't run into the same problem that Wen Wu ran into at the very beginning of the movie that we saw when the trees knocked him to the side and knocked the men off the cliff and he was able to say like like Morris knows the path and so he's telling where to turn so that way those things didn't happen to them and they they end up getting through the, the tree at the very very last second they bust through the last part of it and they find the waterfall and they end up having to go through it and again it's very very cool we start to see more slow motion water and it kind of turns into one of the portals that you know Doctor Strange puts up and Wong puts up, but it does it in water. It's like a water portal, and it looked really, really cool on on screen. So, anyways, they drive into it, and obviously we know that we're in some sort of ancient magic village because the first thing I saw in Chase you didn't tell me if you noticed this as well. We see these creatures that look like, I, to me, they look like Nine Tails, like the Pokemon Nine Tails, the white, the white. I was thinking the same. Yeah, <laughs> dude, from this Pokemon. This white dog-looking creature with a bunch of tails flapping out at the back of it, to me, looked just like the Pokemon Ninetales, which is an evolution form of Vulpix. So if you guys look at that, there's your anime for the day. But, uh, you know, so we see, uh, <laughs> we see these animals there, and so obviously they're, they're not, you know, creatures of Earth, so we're, we're in some sort of different area. Then we also see these dragon horses as well. If you guys saw, like, they, they, I would say they, they were horses, but they had the face of what the Chinese dragons kind of look like. And they stare at them like you know face to face, and then when they start approaching the village, you see these two big things, and this is why I love this movie with the attention to detail. It's an ancient Chinese civilization, and in this, everything is heavily themed. Have you ever seen the the lion statues in Chinese cultures? These two big beastly animals look just like the lion statues. They don't look like the lions you would see in Africa with the big long mane, and that you're all looking like that. They have a specific look, and if you guys will know exactly what I'm talking about, if you haven't seen it yet, to go on there and and see it as as well. So I just I thought that was really cool theming. They did a great job with making it very very cultural, and and that's not even the end of it too. Like you know that's going to go into more after that as well. But anyways, they arrive in Talo, they find their aunt Nan, and Aunt Nan is the sister of the mother who passed away. You know Wen Wu's wife, Shang Chi, and Zhu Zhengling's mother. She's the aunt, right? They're the, what they call themselves, like they are the keepers of the dark gate, and they protect this realm from the evil beyond it. And you see, they have some very specific weapons that, they, if you look at it, they have it. It's like the end of it looks like it's on fire almost. It's like an ember, but there's a glowing stuff, almost like a lava lamp inside at the very end of it. And I know I'm not doing a great job explaining it, but it's still pretty cool. So uh, they tell him basically, they tell Aunt Nan that. Wen Wu's coming there to knock down the gate because they believe he believes that you know, the mother is behind it, his wife's behind there. And Aunt Nan asks if Wen Wu was wearing the rings when hearing these voices, and they tell him like he's never taken the rings off since she's died. So we're starting to see, like again, almost like the one ring, not to foreshadow you know, Lord of the Rings, like the, 
these things start poisoning your mind. These these strong objects that are way more powerful for a regular human to, to you know carry. They start poisoning your mind a little bit, and that's kind of what was going on here. And we hear like the last time the great protector joined the fight and turned the tide at the last moment. And Talo has guarded the gate ever since. And that's a little bit of a foreshadow of what's about to happen, you know, coming up. So he was lured by the voice of something on the other side through the rings that, you know, Wenwu was wearing. And we get into this cool little temple thing. And, you know, Atnan is kind of giving an explanation of all that's going on. And she basically tells uh, Shang-Chi and Zhu Jinling that uh, their mother asked her to prepare something for them when they finally arrived. Because I guess she always knew that they would find the village. And uh, we get to, they have their own specific garb, like their own warrior outfits as opposed to everybody else. And it looks pretty cool. It does look pretty cool on there. Um, basically, then this is a direct quote that I, I wrote down because I thought it was important. He speaks to his aunt. Like, Shang-Chi speaks to his aunt. like, hey, my mother was the only one that could beat him. Show me how she did it. And so they start doing this whole training thing. Everyone's training, right? You got Zhu Ling with this cool, like, you know, swinging... Thing that goes all over places that breaks into stuff. I don't even know what kind of weapon it was, but it was badass. You got Katie trying to shoot arrows, and then you got uh, you know Antnon and Shang Chi like doing some hand sparring. And I was saying Antnon was whooping Shang Chi's ass. That's what she was doing. <laughs> she she was showing <laughs> she was showing how it's done. And this is where we get this flashback showing up exactly what happened to how their mother died and how Wen Wu's wife died. Uh, it was called the Iron Gang. They showed up to repay the debt that you know apparently Wen Wu had had you know caused through his rampage throughout the years of becoming a conqueror. Apparently, they he had you know hurt or killed people that were important to the Iron Gang because now they showed up and said you know blood must be paid paid in blood. And uh, you know what she said? She's like, well, whatever debt that needs to be paid you know you don't need my kids and they actually allow the kids to leave and the mom herself stays to fight and at first it looks like it's okay because it's like six of them against one and she looks like she can handle it but then all of a sudden you start seeing like reinforcements come in and it's like 20 to one and that's a whole problem so the flashback continues to uh how when Wu kind of reverts back to the old way his old ways after what happened he brings the rings out of the box and puts it back on said this never would have happened if i never like you know forewent my nature to you know be you know who who i was but uh and i thought this was pretty cool too you saw her dead body but i don't know if you guys all realize this if you looked around it was very much like boromir with the orcs and i don't want to get too far there but like there was a bunch of bodies around her too. Like she took out a a, a, yeah. a good amount of them before she finally just fell underneath the weight of sheer numbers. But anyways, uh, so like the father Wenwu takes Shang Chi to this uh, this I don't know. They were just all I would say like maybe a grocery store or something. They were sitting there playing, you know, whatever games they play. But it was definitely a compound for whatever that they do in that spot. He shows up and basically he kills a bunch of men in front of this kid again shang chi at this point is probably seven years old at this point kills the men in front of him and then he tells his son a blood debt has to be played in blood will you help me and his you know, the little kid like nodded his head and, like this is a seven-year-old man like why are you getting the seven-year-old caught up in this he, like, <laughs> he should be playing with pokemon right. cards he should be playing game boy he should be outside climbing trees and you want this guy to be you know a, a murderous assassin you're out of your mind but basically um 
they, they found the man responsible, and Shang's first mission was to find him and kill him. And remember in the beginning when he was telling Katie the story on the plane, he told her that he actually couldn't go through with it, and he's been on the run ever since. He finally actually tells her the truth and said he did find the man and he did kill him and he went through with it. And that was kind of part of the thing where, where the mother was telling me you have to embrace all of yourself, the light and the dark. And, you know, he was forced to do these things. He was trying to basically lie to himself, making it seem like he didn't have any sort of blood on his hands at all. Like, whether it's his fault or not, it doesn't matter. Like, these things happen. You can't hide from, you know, what you are and what happened. So, anyways, the fight has come to Talo when Ru arrives. Again, I thought this was really, really visually stunning. This fight begins. We see, you know... The types of different weapons fighting against each other, the technology of today's age against the ancient weapons of Talo, and these, you know, they are the villagers are fighting the intruders, and you know, it's a it's a whole big ordeal. And then we we kind of get uh, Shang Chi versus Wen Wu round one, and it wasn't really going in Shang Chi's favor. Wen Wu was whooping that ass a little bit, uh, <laughs> you know. Shang Chi like started to kind of come on strong a little bit towards the end, but then at the end of the day, those rings just were too much for him, and he ends up knocking uh, his son's ass into the water where he you know chilled for about 30 minutes apparently you can breathe underwater for 20 minutes that's fine but uh anyway <laughs> he, he knocked his ass into the water and so now nothing's stopping Wen Wu from the dark gate that we saw in the mountains past the village of Talo so Wen Wu uh, you know gets to the gate and he starts punching it down it's cool because this gate if you guys look at it, it looks like dragon scales it just straight looks yeah. like dragon scales coming down from him. And he starts punching it, and like the colors of it ripple, and like you know things are you know coming down, and uh, yeah, it looks really really cool. So then it kind of cuts over to where my man Sword Hand, uh, they were they were fighting there. <laughs> I, I, I don't know his name, man. That's on me. I didn't do the proper research, but I call my man Sword Hand. They're fighting, and like honestly, the the battle is kind of going in Wen Wu's favor. The villagers are looking like they're kind of you know taking the losing end of everything uh but the problem is is that when when we're punching that gate down these little i call them demon bats these little demon bats are flying out of there yeah. and they're coming towards them and the villagers are telling them like we need to work together to beat these things because these things are they, your regular weapons cannot kill them and the you know, sword hand is like they're not really believing it until they try to attack it and like they're swinging their their weapons against it cutting it in half it's reforming you know, like trying to zap it, and it's like, like I said, it just blots out and comes right back as if nothing ever happened to it. Like, so the, the, he kind of realizes that the weapons are doing nothing and it's kind of useless. And so he kind of realizes that, oh crap, maybe we do need to work together. <laughs> so um, he, agreed, he they basically agree to work together with the villagers of Talo now. So now it's basically the villagers of Talo and the Ten Rings army against these demon bats, because that's all that's out here right now, but it's about to get worse. So as that's happening, um, we go underneath the water, and we got like Shang Chi just kind of chilling there, taking his little water nap, and then uh, uh, basically he has a little flashback, and um, yeah, he 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 gets like the little push he needs from his mother's voice in his head or whatever it was, and he ends up waking up. But then what was really cool we saw is he wakes up and he and he turns and the camera pans. And he's face to face with like this underwater dragon thing, and then that's that's yeah. kind of where it stays there. And then oh, that's what they call the Great Protector. 
And all of a sudden, it bursts out from the water, and Shang-Chi is riding this dragon, and they start fucking up the demon bats. This thing is, like, eating the demon bats. Like, I eat Chinese food when I'm hungry, man. Like, it just, ow, mom, mom, mom. It's eating, <laughs> eating these demon bats, like, all the way through. And then what ends up happening here, as it's doing that, he jumps off of it, and he confronts his father, Wenwu, for round two. It's, it's now a Shang-Chi versus Wenwu round two. We got the kick in the ass that we needed from our, our dead mother's voice in our head to push us to do what we got to do. So they have this, um, they started their little battle round two here. While this is happening, we have that dragon flying around trying to eat the demon bats. And then it kind of pauses and it looks at the sister, Zhu Ling, and they, they have a moment. I saw like they, they look at each other and we're about to figure out later on what that kind of moment <laughs> you know portrays here but then to talk about that actor trevor and why i thought it was funny that little creature morris was going up on there and then you see like trevor dead on the ground and you see like he had like the sad music playing and like morris like you know oh, i spent so much time basically the little creature i'm thinking i'm, I'm kind of going inside his mind right now I, i'd be thinking like oh my gosh i spent so much time with this guy locked up in prison you know he gets free like now he was my best friend for so long and now he's dead he like walks up and like crying in the little whatever language that those things use and then he like he like lifts his head up he's like i'm not actually dead it's called acting <laughs> and then he, he's like now leave me alone and then he like puts his head down and pretends to be dead again so i thought that was really funny that he actually wasn't dead he was pretending to be dead using his acting chops to uh, save his ass so he didn't have to be in the fight so i thought that was pretty cool um but yeah now uh, what ends up happening, we're back at this round two, and it's Shang-Chi fighting his father, Wenwu, and, and it's going, the tide's kind of even, and all of a sudden, when he uses the rings, five of the rings betray Wenwu, and all of a sudden, it's five rings versus five rings. Wenwu's got five blue rings, Shang-Chi, like, the rings kind of changed their ownership to him, and now he's got, like, five orangish rings, and now they're on an even playing field, basically. And now when they're on an even playing field, it's, it's game on. Eventually, you know, with, with the, you know, getting the better of the exchanges, Shang-Chi now has all ten of the rings. And when we realize he's kind of, he's kind of lost at this point. But fucking Chen, uh, Shang-Chi gives him back, throws the all ten rings back to him. He doesn't need it. <laughs> but while all this was going on, the, weak, the, the gate had been weakened by all the punches that Wenwu had thrown at it with the ten rings. And all of a sudden, this big, giant demon dragon burst through the... First through the dark gate, and now we've got this soul sucker, this crazy dragon, bigger than the great protector dragon that's out there, and man, it is ready to, it's ready to rumble, man. So, uh, yeah, basically, <clears throat> the thing swoops up uh, Wenwu, and it's about to suck its soul out, that's what it's doing, and then it's starting to, and we see the change, and like the, the acknowledgement of like Wenwu realizes the error of his ways, and he looks at his son, and you know deep down he always cared about him. And so before the the dra- like the soul sucking dragon took out Wenwu's life, the ten rings that Shang Chi gave back to him, he threw them. He like, he shot him back down to Shang Chi, and then the dragon sucked out Wenwu's soul, and that was the end of the thousand years of that guy conquering everything with the ten rings. He is now dead. He has bit the dust. So the dragon Peace. kills Wenwu, <laughs> but. <laughs> now this thing is about to go down to shang chi and then all of a sudden the good dragon the great protector intercepts it and it's riding it's being ridden by 
Zhu uh, Ling, the sister, and that's that little full circle of that moment there. So now we got this badass dragon fight. Uh, and we get this really cool moment where the good dragon almost like traps the bad dragon in this water thing. Like this water bend and it can't really move. But then these demon bats took all the souls out of all the people they were attacking down on land over there in the village and the Ten Rings army. And they start dropping the souls off into the bad dragon's mouth. And the bad dragon all of a sudden bursts out of that little water cocoon that it was in. And now uh, it's stronger than ever. So we get to this point where it's it, the, the bad dragons and the good dragon are in a big fight. And the bad dragon gets a better position on it. And it's about to suck out the soul of the Great Protector. And basically, if it does that, it's like a game over for the universe. Like, the Great Protector is the only thing that can stop this thing. And it's sucking the soul out of it. And this old man th that was kind of annoyed by Katie, like the regular civilian, you know, if you guys haven't been following along, uh, you know, he didn't want her even in the fight. And now she, he tells her, like, we have to aim for the throat. And before he aims for the throat himself... One of the demon bats actually kills him and takes his soul and, and throws it off. So now it's really just down to her. She's the only one that knows this. She's the only person without any sort of training at all. So it's basically down to her to make like a shot of an arrow that she's probably only shooting like 10 of in her entire life. That she's got to like for the fate of the universe to hit this dragon so it doesn't suck out the soul of the good dragon. But anyways, um, as, as like that's going on, before she actually shoots it, it cuts back up to what's going on on the dragons and... And Shang-Chi is trying to, you know, basically stay on this dragon. The sister falls off. He grabs her and, like, kind of has it on a, on a big lock because he's got the five rings on that hand. So he's got her, and she's telling him, you got to let me go. Like, you have to let me go. And he tells her, I'm not letting you go again. And that's a full circle from when he did leave her and abandon her back in childhood. And I thought that was really cool. And then because of that, like, it, they're not going to be able to save this good dragon. And the soul is, like, up in the good dragon's throat. It's about to come out of it and about to be sucked all the way through by the bad dragon. And then, boom, our civilian Katie hits the bad dragon demon sucker in the throat with the cool arrow. And it gets it, gets it enough for, like, the, the good dragon to get out of the grasp, keep its soul... And then, uh, yeah, the Shang shoots the rings down the bad dragon's throat, and this is where Chase was talking about. We get our little, uh, our little Dragon Ball Z Easter egg reference, and yeah, we kind of like he shot <laughs> he shot all the rings down the bad dragon's throat. Then he like he does this like weird bending thing, like he's Avatar the Last Airbender, mixed with Goku doing the Kamehameha wave, and then uh, he he basically shoots the rings down into the chest of the beast. And then summons the rings back up in that cool like arm movement fashion. And what the rings do is they kind of burst out of the of the dragon's chest, and and that's what ends up killing the dragon through the body there with the rings bursting out of it. And so that was cool. And so that was kind of the the end of the big action scene there. We get to this part where they start laying their people to rest. And again, very cultural. They have those lights that they, they light up and they put it on the on the the lake and let the the great protector swim around and carry it off like with the little circles it was doing and so they were just floating the lights over there. And that's a way to kind of, you know, you know, for the departed, that's the, their way of kind of going off into that. So I thought that was pretty cool. And then we get this full circle moment because now they're back in LA, I'm assuming, wherever they were in California. And they're they're out to dinner with their friends, and they're telling him this whole this whole thing, and and that's where Katie says, <laughs> and then and then Sean he used this Kamehameha, and like the the rings came through the the body and saved the entire village and the whole universe. I shot the dragon in that. Case. So basically, 
Like, these friends just think they're giving them some strange fucking joke thing to be weird to talk about how they, uh, you know, are actually successful and they're not just losers that work at a valet or whatever. And they're not believing, <laughs> they're not, they're not believing any of it up until Mr. Wong comes back through and interrupts their dinner and says, do you have the rings? And, and he's like, do you have them on you? And Shang Chi's like, yeah, I have them on me. He's like, well, then you need to come with me. And that's like he did this by opening the damn portal. So everyone in the damn restaurant is looking at this portal thing, like, what the hell is going on here? And so they they walk through the uh, the, the the portal and they go, they take the rings with them. And this is where we get this uh, after credit scene here, where we have Bruce Banner, Wong, and Captain Marvel, and they're inspecting the rings and they're putting the, they're blowing it up like almost you know at the very detailed level. And it says it was sending out a beacon, like it's trying to send a message. A message to where, and that's the for that's a big foreshadow. I think that we're not going to have an answer for today, but that's going to be where maybe it's coming from from there, like where it's trying the rings are trying to get this message out to. Um, then we at the end it was like funny. He's like, all right, well we like you guys are going to be a part of something that you never anticipate. Like this is going to change your entire lives. Like so, we go home, get some rest, and then they're like, or. Then all three of them go out drunk, fucking singing karaoke, Hotel California, all getting <laughs> wasted and having some fun. But um, yes, and that's how it ended. But then there was a second after credit scene, and what we see is Zhu Zhengling, the sister, is in her old bedroom that we saw earlier, and she's like looking at pictures of her mother. And uh, they, what's his face, Swordhand comes in, and he's like, "Hey, they're they're ready, and uh, they're waiting for you." And so now she walks out. And she sits in the same chair that her father Wen Wu sat on, and we start seeing a training thing with both men and women. And to me, it looks to be that uh, Zhu Zhengling is now the leader of the Ten Rings Army, and she's now included females as well as males into it. And that is where Shang Chi ends its entirety. So I know that was a big like little synopsis, the big summary that I gave all out in a row there. I'm sure I missed some parts of it, but like you know, watching a movie one time and trying to take notes while watching it is not an easy task. So if I miss anything, it's not because I was trying to detail it in detail. I just want to give this the whole setting so that way when we talk about what we're about to talk about now, with you know any sort of debates or questions or where it's going for from here, you guys have a backstory on why we're thinking the way that we think. So, anyways, anything that you wanted to add, Chase? Anything that you like saw, remembered that maybe I had left out of it? Anything that you wanted to add to it before we talk about like our next section here? You know what's sad is that entire movie, all I thought about was Kamehameha against that fucking demon dragon, man. And fucking Winwoo. It was fucking great. It was, uh, Goku is the shit. It is so goaded now. It is now in Marvel MCU. Actually, Disney did just buy Dragon Ball Z, so it's going to be interesting uh, with them trying to attempt to make that into an actual uh, franchise, uh, which uh, if uh, that does come out with MCU under its belt, we'll see if we cover it here. But all I thought about was Kamehameha, <laughs> but it was a badass fucking movie, man. It was great. Uh, I think I got spoiled with watching Drogon in Game of Thrones because that's what I told Jay Nelly was. Uh, the only thing I was disappointed in was 
the CGI on like the seahorse thing. It was the sea dragon, the protector. But uh, I, he said, you know, I didn't really grasp what it was supposed to be. It was supposed to be kind of like the sea dragon. So I get that. I can I can understand that. Uh, I was just expecting more to see like a a Balerion or a Drogon Balerion coming in April. <laughs> we'll talk about here, but no, it was it was a great movie, man, and and Marvel never ceases to impress me. It uh, overall, I love the character relationships in the show. I love the uh, whole antagonist protagonist plot idea here. Uh, how it even expanded into this alternate universe that they were trying to protect, but you had this whole, uh, you know, demonic side kind of coming in on things into his father. Uh, it was just very creative. Um, it, it was great. I don't know much about the comics, so I got to admit that. I, I got to study it more on my whole Shang-Chi thing, but uh, I thought overall it was it was great. It, it was a fantastic film. I would give it probably an eight. And uh, I mean, that sounds low for me, but it, it's very difficult for me to give something like a nine and a 10. So I give it an eight, eight to 8.5. What about you? Yeah. And like, let me also talk about this. It was when I was talking to Chase, I was talking to him not just about, it's, I'm not just talking to him, it was supposed to be a sea dragon. Like, that's part of where it came from. But I was telling him, like, the whole thing with the theming of this movie is that it was super, super cultural. And everything that was in it is really based on, you know, the, the Chinese culture and the way they show things. If you guys ever watched the Chinese New Year, the dragon that they all come under through the New Year, it looks just like that. Like, the, the, when they're all standing underneath it, they did a great job of CGIing a badass dragon thing, but keeping the Chinese culture with it. Same thing with the lions. Like, you know, they chose like these like bear like lion combinations that look exactly like the, the gargoyle statues that they use in the Chinese culture as well. And they spoke Mandarin in a lot of the, the, the interactions they had. That's why I love so much about this movie is it immersed culture. It wasn't whitewashed at all. It was super, super well done. Like it's honestly, to me, this has got to be a top three Marvel movie for me. And I like that's just it. it, it I have to say, I, that's I was, impressive. Yeah, I, I really do believe that, and and I think that because it's just tough for me because I don't know if Deadpool, the first one, if I can count that because it wasn't Marvel at the time. But obviously, Infinity War yeah. is my number one. Deadpool was my number two, but again, I don't know if I can count that really because it was not quite Marvel just at that point in time when it was the Deadpool standalone. But I love the Deadpool standalone. Thought that was really really cool. <laughs> that was the first. That was the first. That's the Godfather of all like sarcastic superhero movies that they've been doing. Like that's where they really first incorporated the humor. Before it's always just been good guy, right. bad guy. Let's overcome whatever's in front of us. Like, like Deadpool is the one that really kind of in, really included the the humor aspect of it. Well, the sarcasm, the the quips, the the funniness. Like, so I really enjoyed that. It was something we hadn't seen before at that time. So if I can count Deadpool, that'd be my number two. And then number three is Shang Chi. It's really, really good, man. Everything they try to do with it, they, they hit a, a home run with it in every single aspect. Like the, the Legend of the Ten Rings itself, again, I don't know too much about the comics, but like the cultural aspect of it, the, the, the relationship dynamic between the you know, father, Wen Wu, the mother, the daughter-slash-sister, Zhu Zhe Ling, and the brother-slash-son, Shang-Chi, and how like 
because of the way they were differently, how they were raised so differently because he was able to run away and escape and she kind of was kind of stuck in a dark place back there. Now she's the leader of the Ten Rings Army at the end of the last credit scene and we don't know if that's going to be a good or bad thing. And it's funny because we're going to you know, get into that in a little bit. But like it's just it just it, everything about it. There's really no, no complaints I have at all. I think they the visually everything was exactly as I would have liked it to be for this movie. I thought the dragon was perfect for what this movie was supposed to be. I thought the fight scenes were amazing. The choreography was insane, out of this world. And it wasn't just like we got one big fight scene at the end, kind of like Venom Two. We got four or five amazing fight scenes in one like, yeah, movie. That, that was, was awesome. it was insane, and it didn't take away from the storyline either. Storyline was there as well, and it was just really it was a really strong movie overall. I was very impressed with it, so I would give it like I would say an eight point seven out of ten. Yeah, it was great. It was uh, I was very impressed with everything that was put together. As far as the comics go, one thing they did change about the film that I really liked. In the comics, the rings actually look the exact same as the Infinity Stones, only they're on the rings of the fingers. But uh, just like you said, they changed in the film that it goes on the forearm, and they actually changed the color to make sure that distinction was there since they just did Infinity War and Endgame, which I thought was an excellent change because you can't do something that's the exact same. It just wouldn't have the appeal. but no this movie had it all man it had uh it had the action it had the romance it had the epic journey uh it had the dragons it had the anime uh easter egg (laughs) it was great man it it was fantastic uh hands down i'll even give it an 8.5 like i mean it, it was it was one of the best marvel movies i've ever seen to this day awesome man so I guess we're going to get into like the next part of this show, which is our, our debate portion here. Before I do that, I want to play a Tipsy Gypsy card on Chase. I oh, my gosh, dude. I am going to be... Oh, I'm going to bullshit. I'm going to play it. You better fill that bad boy Fucking up. bullshit, dude. You this better bullshit. fill that bad boy up, man. I spent my last Sunday on the couch half the day, <laughs> then working out at the end of the night. This is why I wind up staying up at like till three in the morning because my workouts have to be until <laughs> like all I don't start my workout until like nine o'clock in the afternoon. Chase, now you're doing night. you're doing a lot of talking and not a lot of drinking. <laughs> you're doing a lot of talking. Can't stand you. Let's get a little uh, little malice in the chalice. I'm not gonna throw the card, but malice in the chalice to uh, Josh being an ass today. <laughs> Cheers, my friends. Uncle Jay Nelly. Uncle Jay Nelly. I'll tell you, we got cards and we got to play them. I'm going to see the drink away. Are you ready? I'm I'm glad that you, like, my misery brings you comedy. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, you can play yours right now. We could do it together if you wanted to do that. (laughs) You know what? Let's go. Let's (laughs) fucking go with the fucking gods of the heavens above. Air bending the wine from down below. I summon the tipsy gypsy card on Uncle Nelly. Tipsy jilly, gypsy at its finest. You may play the tipsy gypsy card time during the podcast. And the podcast host who plays the tipsy gypsy card 
forces the other podcasters to pour a full drink and then rapidly consume the entire beverage before answering the current topic of debate. Suck it. Sucks to suck, Jay Nelly. We're both downing it together. We're both answering the debate question together. Let's so do I'll it. get a little malice in the chalice, brother. Cheers, man. This is what it's all about. Let's see it away. You guys hear a little pause. Two. It's just because we're trying to drink this whole thing up and... Uh, it ain't easy. You guys see I got a full mason jar full of wine. Chase has got his full Tervis, a uh, Spider-Man Tervis full of wine. <laughs> it's going to take us a couple seconds so you hear something, nothing in the background. We didn't go anywhere. We're just chugging this damn drink. So cheers, Season brother. Season two way to do. Let's cheers, do brother. It. Cheers. Best friend. Best friend. Okay, man. let's go. All right. Don't worry if you hear silence. It's because we're still downing. <sighs> it's going down like the Titanic here. Uncle Nelly just okay. finished it, baby. Where are you okay, at? Uncle Nelly, how about you count down? Because uh, <sighs> because uh, Uncle Chase still has uh, about three-fourths to go. All right. Well, that's why he's going to stop talking and start drinking. How about that? That's what you need to do. But I'm going to post that clip. On YouTube, holy crap! I just took that down in probably ten seconds. That was a full mason jar. I'm proud of myself. Uh, Chase, he's kind of taking it slow, taking it low and slow. But uh, take it to man. the head. All right, stop singing, and start drinking. Head. Yeah, <laughs> doing a lot. You're doing a lot of the flapping the gums and not. I'm sorry. I thought this was. Uh, I thought we changed the name to Factor Melody. I'm sorry. <laughs> I thought the Tipsy Gypsy card said rapidly consume the entire beverage. That's what I thought the Tipsy Gypsy. I'm still card working said. on the rapidly. <laughs> I bought a cadaver that rapidly. Yeah, you can't. <laughs> did that. you see the defense chase? There's zero defense. <laughs> There's no fair defense. Enough, fair enough. Oh, <laughs> okay. Here we go. Here we go. You ready? You got it, my Ready? friend. One, you got it, two, brother. Three. Chug it. See it. Let's go. Uh, that's my man. All right, dude. That's gonna be great because when we when he finishes up with this damn drink, we're gonna talk a little bit about what we think this place is like. The Shang Chi is gonna go from here. The after credit scene. What they mean. We're gonna have some fun debates. And that'll be it before we kind of turn it over to next week where we'll tackle something different. Keep up with our Instagram guys as well, so that way you know what topics we are going to cover. It's not going to be the same where we're going to tell you here on the episode, just simply because we want more interaction and engagement on our social media. So that is going to be the way where you can figure out where we or what we are covering, and uh, yeah, you'll be able to stay up to tune from our social media pages. And again, I'll, I'll list them off at the end like I always do, but we need Jason to hurry up and finish up with his drink. See where he's going here. I know what you got. You got about a quarter left. Where you at? Yeah, I got like a quarter left. I'm mixing it with the Starbucks, man. Oh, that's mixing a terrible idea. That Starbucks. sounds like the old school Four Locos with the Yo. caffeine <laughs> and the alcohol. A little coffee going. A yeah. Coffee. Well, chug that down, brother. You got you got some drinking to do, and then I will bring up uh, our debate topic first, and maybe we'll talk about where things are going to go from there. Maybe Chase has got debaters, so I'm not sure, but. We'll figure it out well after he decides he wants to finish his beverage. So you're almost there, my man. You're almost my there. Beverage is almost done. 
You almost got it. I'm so glad that the audience gets to enjoy my misery right now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad they do, too. Ugh. And, I mean, is... I, listen, I had to do the same thing you did. You put it back on me, and I had to do it, too, brother. So I'm right there oh, with yeah. you. You know, back in the day, Jay Nelly and I were actually on what they called international drinking teams. Well, you're and not. I got to say. You're not holding up so well, uh, though. That, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I would be like a oh man I definitely wouldn't be a starter today <laughs> no I'd be like the special teams guy and I'm okay with that special teams is great <laughs> it has its role Fuck it is important it, uh, fine I got it relax it plays its give part me a count, give me a see that drink away how about you give me that see, All right, see brother. that drink away see that drink away see that drink away all the way see that drink away See that Drake away all the way. See that. Uh, hey, okay, that a boy. Going. Good shit. Okay. Now we're back. We're gonna go ahead and that's and talk cool. a little about it. So my debate to you, Car. I'm playing the great debate card now. My debate to you, Chase, is now that Zhu Zhengling is the leader of the Ten Rings Army, is she going to use that army for good or for evil? Yeah, I I think she will. Um, what, which, which one? Ling. Which one? Good, good or evil? <laughs> good. Uh, <laughs> I think she'll use it for good because even though she went against uh, her brother in that tournament and held resentment for a very long time, um, I think she learned through this whole process that she always held another form of resentment against her father because what her father did and so i think you know i'll make a bold prediction here i think zhu Zheng ling is gonna be just like uh who's the uh sister of black panther i can't remember um what her name is the sister of black panther that uses the like uh gun things in the black panther movie I think she's going to be like that, and I think she's going to play a major role. Are you talking about? Are you talking about Shuri? 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 That's who I'm thinking of. I think Zhu Chang Ling and Shuri. Honestly, um, if you, I mean, honestly, I think they're going to play a major role in this MCU here. And if you put Shuri, Zhu Chang Ling, and Captain Marvel on a team. They could possibly be unstoppable, but uh, I just don't see any reason why she would use it for bad. I mean, uh, you got to think into the fact of at the time, too, all the bad that she's been put through just based on this entire movie, how uh, Sean, uh, Shang-Chi, changed his name to Sean, was supposed to go back and rescue her and then left her because he was trying to make a life that he found reasonable and uh you know taking into fact you know a thought that it wasn't even possible to go back and get her but i think after seeing sean and all of the good that came from that from this movie and resenting her father because all the aspirations her father had i can only see her using it for good 
In fact, honestly, you know, people always say DC needs to make like DC, right? Needs to make a birds of prey with like Harley Quinn with all these women. If Marvel made like a, a women's movie with like Captain Marvel, uh, Shuri, and uh, what's her name? Ju Jung. Did I say it right? Zhu Zhang Ling. And also, don't don't uh, forget to add Scarlet Witch to that, too. <laughs> like, yeah, and Scarlet Witch. I uh, Sorry, Zhu Zhang Ling, to make sure I pre- uh, pronounce that right. And Scarlet Witch. I think it would be fantastic. I think it would be a great movie. Like, if you had some badass villain and you had those women team up, I think it would be great. Like, I think it would be actually good. Like, I would, I would love to watch that. Like, if uh, Shuri, Jujang Lee, and Captain Marvel, and Scarlet Witch fucking teamed up, that'd be fucking badass. That's a fucking foreshadow, because we know we're fucking covering uh, Scarlet Witch on this fucking show. (laughs) We fucking know that shit. That's a fucking foreshadow for you. We're not going to reveal anything yet. But, um, yeah, that that would be a badass team, man. So I can only see her using it for good. What about yourself? Yeah, I honestly think it's going to go both ways. I think she's going to start off using them for evil. I think she's going to try to prove to herself in a way because of what she went through and how she was abandoned. I think she's going to kind of take over as that leader of this crime organization, the the Ten Rings Army, and she's going to kind of start off very similar to her father. Maybe... You know, incorporating women now, where that was a big no-no back then for Wen Wu. Uh, but I still think that she's going to try to to take them to another level that her that her father couldn't, with adding that to that aspect to it. I think they're going to be an evil crime organization for a little bit, but eventually, I think it's going to they're either going to find some reason to turn the tide and use the Ten Rings Army for good. But I think initially, it's going to be used for evil. Um, just the way she sat on the throne and the way like the thing that was going on and it was graffiti all over the place like that all screamed uh, you know it, it, to me that that screamed we're gonna we're gonna fuck shit up over here in Macau so I don't know man like I, I really think that that she's going to use them for evil because she already had her own organization like with the fighting rings by herself and she built that up and you can't really <laughs> I wouldn't say that's for good or for evil just kind of there kind of betting on money and winning and losing and all that but now she's she is the head of the most dangerous criminal organization in, in China and they've got a lot of resources and I, I really do believe that she's going to use them for evil to kind of show that she could be stronger and more powerful than her father ever was and I think at some point down the road some event is going to transpire and she's going to have a change of heart and then she's going to use them for good and we'll we'll get like a big you know conglomerate of all sorts of heroes coming together and villains coming together to defeat a common enemy or so to speak and that's what i think that's that's my end and guess what i'm summoning now <laughs> And I think we should run a maple syrup conglomerate. <laughs> That's what I think. Grow up, Count Chocula, Peter Pan. We've been to a hundred weddings and we rocked them all. But today, Chase is summoning the great debate card. It's sleigh time, baby. So get on your A game with that tipsy gypsy because I want to see what Jane Nelly has to say. 
The Ten Rings. Is it Ten Rings? Shang-Chi and the what? Ten Ring Army, yeah. The Ten, ten Ring Army, baby. Besides the Infinity Stones, what's the Infinity Stones are out, right? Last week did we did Venom and we we're talking about Spider-Man coming into the MCU and now the Infinity Stones have been out for a long time. What else can stand up to the Ten Rings? Think about any superhero. Is there any superhero that can stand up to the Ten Rings that has not been trained in the Ten Rings before? I want to hear your answer, Uncle Nelly. I want to hear what you say about this. Because me personally, I don't think anything can stand up to the Ten Rings besides like maybe say Captain Marvel herself maybe are you talking maybe possibly are you talking about the army or the actual rings themselves no i'm i'm talking about like someone that holds the power of the rings just like win Wu. so one-on-one i will is there any superhero that can take on someone with the ten rings yeah great I i think i think the proof was in the pudding in the movie we just watched like Shang-Chi didn't have any sort of powers really outside of being whipped into shape by his father at a young age and he turned the tide against his dad by changing the ring's uh, uh, loyalty pretty much you know like he <laughs> he did it he we just saw what happened like when Wu had them shits for a thousand years like he had them for so long and then this like his son comes around and maybe has a more noble cause and and because of that he was able to defeat his father in battle like if some kid like that, without any sort of actual superpower, was able to defeat someone with the Ten Rings, I absolutely think people with actual powers would be able to defeat <laughs> someone with the Ten Rings as well. Let me let me rephrase that, though. So, I understand exactly what you're saying. But keep in mind, one, he had his mother's power as well. Let's not act like that was nothing. I'm talking about as far as the Avengers. Avengers are superheroes based as they are now. Like Hulk, Spider-Man, Iron Man. Iron Man's gone. But let's just take the Avengers for how they basically are. Thor, any of those. Do you think any of Loki, do you think any of them with the base power they have, no new knowledge could take on the Ten Rings? Yeah, man. No new knowledge. Like, not learning anything new. Who could do it and why? It's tough, right? Because I haven't read the comics that have to do with the Ten Rings at all. Let's keep the comics out. Well, yeah, I'm just just saying. Just based on films. Yeah, I mean, outside of that, I do think that at the very least, there are three individuals that would be able to at least match the power of someone who held the Ten Rings. Um, I think Thor... He's a demigod, the god of thunder. <laughs> he can do a lot of things. We saw, what he was, <laughs> he, we saw what he was able to do against someone that held the power of all the Infinity Stones. Uh, basically, was able to defeat him, except for the fact that he didn't cut his hand off, and he snapped his finger, and then everything happened. But, um, yeah, I think Thor, Thor probably has a good shot at defeating the holder of the Ten Rings. Um, I think we saw Scarlet Witch has the power to destroy an Infinity Stone by herself, while also holding off Thanos with one other arm. So her power is pretty much 
you know, close to unmatched as what we've seen in power in uh, Marvel so far. Maybe outside of Captain Marvel, who is the other person, I would say as well, that may be able to stand up to like uh, the, the holder of the Ten Rings. So yeah, I, I do. I think those three have a good shot at it. Thor, uh, Scarlet Witch, and Captain Marvel, I think would would hold their own, and they could probably defeat the holder of the Ten Rings. I I, I get it. Um... <coughs> I mean, it makes sense. It's it's downplayed <laughs> because declimactic isn't a word, but it's true. I think uh, Shang-Chi is kind of like Daredevil, right? Like he's protecting um, Hell's Kitchen. He's not protecting the entire world. Um, I think it's absolutely amazing the martial arts skills and Ten Rings he has but not that anyone could not stand up to him. So I have to agree with you here. I think, you know, as a, a previous Thor cosplayer, uh, I think the demigod would take his ass down <laughs> instantly. Another foreshadow, uh, his evil brother, <laughs> we will be talking about at some point. Hint, hint. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> It's, uh, yeah, I think you're right. I think he plays kind of more the role of, like, how Daredevil is, like, or Hawkeye. I think he's above Hawkeye. Don't get you me know wrong, what? I, th- I, you know, I think he plays more the role of the Black Panther. Like, he's got, like, that, the, the, I like it. Yeah, I the like Black it. Panther has that suit, like, that chooses somebody, and then they've got, like, the powers of the Black Panther. I think that is more along the lines. He's way more powerful than Hawkeye, way more powerful than Daredevil. Like right. I would, I would kind I of put him on a, an equal playing field with the Black Panther. I agree. I agree. I like it. I like it. So, as much as I hate to fucking agree with you because you are the devil in disguise, <laughs> <laughs> I will fucking agree with you. Fuck it. I give this one to Jay Nelly. Jay Nelly wins, wins this fucking round, man. That tipsy gypsy car did me in, man. Uh, Jay Nelly wins this fucking round. Fuck you. <laughs> I love you. You're a brother to me. Jay Nelly wins this round, though. Uh, as much as I want Shang-Chi to be able to take on, like, Thor or Iron Man or even Captain America, I just don't see it happening. Do you see it happening at all? Do you think he could beat any of those three? Yeah, I think I think he's got a good shot at beating, you know, I, I only see a couple matching the power of of him if it came down to it. Uh, I don't think Captain America. I think he could beat Captain America. I think he could beat Iron Man. I don't think he could. Really I, though, yeah. like think of all of, think of how smart Tony Stark is though. Yeah, I mean, I get it. At the same time, like, especially if we have Infinity War as any sort of, you know, basis, if we can at least put the Ten Rings on par, if not stronger than the Infinity Stones, like, if that's anything that's going to be in the future, if they're anywhere near the power of the Infinity Stones, we saw what ended up happening. Like, Thanos killed Tony Stark in the beginning, and then, like, Doctor Strange is like, no, like, save him, like, spare him and I'll give you my final Infinity Stone, right? So, like, Tony Stark couldn't even defeat Thanos with four out of the five Infinity Stones, so I can't see him defeating someone, the, the rightful 
you know, owner of the Ten Rings. I, I don't see it. Which, I mean, what sucks to say is, let's be real, though, is Doctor Strange would kick every single one of their asses. <laughs> right? He. Do you agree with that? I don't know if... It, like, I would say that he could definitely put him in places where it would make it very difficult, because, like, he can kind of, you know, transport things through space and time. And I just... But... We got to see him hold his own in Infinity Wars for a little bit, but he was the one that was captured. I don't know. Doctor Strange is a wild card for me, man. I don't know if Doctor Strange could could handle it. Um, like I said, like, I, I think there's very few that could, and that's why I listed the three that came to mind. Uh, Thor, Scarlet Witch, and Captain Marvel. But, uh, yeah, Doctor Strange is a, is definitely a contender there. It's just it's hard I, to say. I agree, man. Hey, well, fuck it. <laughs> I don't care. I mean, you know, the, uh, you know, to show your uh, big competitor is to show your weaknesses. <laughs> and I gotta say, I lost this round. Jay Nelly won, man. I uh, throw the great debate card to the Shadow Realm. I gotta agree with you 100%. I think uh, Shang-Chi is kind of like, uh, he's just like you said he's better than captain america and iron man so i can't say he's batman <laughs> but he's he's impressive right he's impressive but to go against the elite i think is a whole nother level like elite like captain marvel or go against thor like fuck dude like that's a whole nother shit so uh yeah i'll let you take it away man you win fuck it i hate you and your great debate card and your fucking tipsy gypsy <laughs> i hate both of those cards <laughs> but take it away <laughs> i love you too my man hey no but i will say uh, i i want to ask you know where this kind of goes from here because i honestly think that it's almost all intertwined right like we're talking about you know who who could defeat this but like, i think you know What's going to end up happening, and I, I've been saying it, I said it for Venom too. I, I honestly think this is all going to lead up eventually. I'm not sure if it's going to be the next Avenger movie or the next, next Avenger movie. But there's going to be some, in my mind, like I think it's going to be like where there's some big bad where everybody needs to come together to defeat whatever the threat is. I'm talking, eventually they're going to bring in the X-Men, all the Marvels, all the villains, all, like, like everyone. Like, so... <laughs> I, it's it's almost a, a moot point to see who could defeat you know Shang Chi or whoever the rightful owner of the Ten Rings would be at whatever point in time because I believe they're gonna need to you know band together to defeat whatever is coming next and and this is it sucks because we haven't covered you know we obviously talked about it on our uh, you know our State of the Union episode to start season two we're gonna cover Loki at some point but Loki like the, the end of Loki really kind of you know foreshadowed. A certain individual is a big bad. Now, is this the big bad that's gonna need all this to come together? Maybe not, but like maybe eventually, you know, because then we got this Eternals coming out. There's so many things that I really think that the end all be all of everything is gonna be there's there's gonna be someone so powerful, so unstoppable that everyone, villains, heroes, different universes need to come together to beat this one thing and that may be six or seven years down the road whatever it may be but i think it's what it's all leading up to and that's where i think it's going from here and then again like they're gonna have their own spin-offs and their own little like you know like tropes that are gonna 
go into defeating their own little things. You know, they're going to have smaller villains for each, you know, specific whatever, you know. But I do think at some point in time, I don't know if it's going to be a Celestial. I don't know if it's going to be Galactus. I don't know what it's going to be. I just really believe at some point in time, there is going to be the worst of the worst. And everything and everyone is going to need to come together. Good guys, bad guys, different universes, men, women, alien life forces. And they're all going to need to come together to defeat whatever this is. It's what I believe. Uh, tell me where you think Marvel's going and if you are on the same thought process as me. Yeah, I think you're, I think you're right. Um, I know exactly who I think it, think it is. Um, and I don't really like this villain, but I think it's Galactus. I think that's who they're going with. And I think, you know, what's fucking weird is I think it even opens the door to more shit after that. Uh, which you can think of whatever you want, uh, but here's the deal, right? So Galactics is so big. Uh, it will take all these men, women, women um, villains, antagonists, protagonists, everything to take Galactus down. Uh, in fact, to the point of Natalie Portman is coming back for the new Thor role and uh she's gonna play valkyrie and uh christian bale that has been batman for so long in the dc universe is going to play uh, the god butcher who is known as thor's most vile enemy of all time besides loki who's his own brother um and it's gonna be even farther beyond beyond that um but at that point, there is one person that I think they can take it even farther from. Uh, but I think it's Galactus because they're not that far yet. I feel like uh, Galactus is the next step um, because he's so massive. You're basically taking on someone that's the size of a planet, right? Something that has never been done before. Even looking at Thanos, Thanos, despite the Infinity Stones, was manageable. He had a personality that was relatable on a humanitarian level. Galactus does not. He looks at things that should be destroyed or invented. That's only two different levels. And I think that's a whole nother level that's going to be displayed here. And um, that's when you start to have to think, right? Um, as far as created or destroyed, there is no uh, reason in there. As far as how Avengers can even take that down and that's where Captain Marvel and Thor really come into play because they uh, start to envelop this whole galaxy that's outside of Earth 
but still i mean it's it's a challenge that cannot even be cannot even be fathomed at that point because it's something that is not even human all right the thing i'm gonna say is that i i think that that may be down the road but i just don't think that's next i think like like yeah eternals has a part in that the only thing i'm gonna say is like i i do believe just based on what we saw from loki there's another big bad that's gonna come first and i don't think they're gonna all have to band together for this one i i there's a certain i'll just say this there's a certain conqueror (laughs) i know it's gonna give something away but there's a certain conqueror that is uh, is uh, preluded. Yes. But I don't. That is I, true. For me, I just don't think it's gonna be Galactus next. I believe. I I think everything you said is right, and I think it's gonna be uh, that's gonna be the case eventually. I just don't see that being like like the the, the very next thing. You know, I just I yeah. think I think it's gonna all build up to that, and I think the next bad is gonna be something that we all talk about later on in this in this uh, season. Uh, you're two, saying about fantasy, something so. that <laughs> reminds you of Pokemon is what you're saying? Yes. So, which, uh, by the way, uh, Jay Nelly is always fucking right on this show. <laughs> this is why he's the coach. I'm just the one that's able to stand up to that level and try to debate, which usually he cannot be stood up next to. But every now and then, right? Like, if it comes to season one, like Harry Potter, I can stand up to him for just a second before he shuts me down yeah um like i said i think that there's going to be some things before galactus but i think i I think your premise overall is correct i just don't think it's going to be a next thing i think that what they're all going to have to be you know combining and you know teaming up together for is going to be a celestial and and likely galactus so that, that that's my thoughts on it but um yeah i mean that that is the, the the last thing I got on my end. Do you have anything on your end before we uh, finish up with everyone? No, man. It's uh, you know, it feels great to uh, finish here in an hour and thirty five minutes versus HP at five hours and forty five. <laughs> Just throwing that out there. But um, you know, I will say here is the MCU. What's amazing about it is we thought it reached a peak with infinity war and endgame and that thanos was the above all be all and it's not and it's only gonna go up from there jay nelly back to you man i'll let you close this out because this gets me ramped up because i am stoked for the mcu this year what are you thinking my man I'm thinking now is a great time to close out. I think that is uh, we we covered a lot today. I'm super happy that we are like we we have really lived up to what we said we were going to do in our uh, season two premiere episode and talking about how we're going to be more efficient, more targeted, more focused. And this is the, the the proof of it. You know, an hour and 45 minutes for an episode where we were going four hours before. So I'm really excited about that. Uh, but just to close this out, you know, the same thing I always say, guys, thank you so much for tuning in the way that you always do. Uh, if you haven't already, you can give us a like or a follow or a subscribe. Uh, our social media pages, our Instagram page is still at official ridiculous Patronus. And our TikTok page is ridiculous at ridiculous Patronus. 
Twitter is RP Factor Fantasy. Facebook, Chase and Josh Factor Fantasy. I did, and we talked about this last week as well. I'm just going to keep saying it. Uh, we added some new social media sites as well for more targeted audiences. If you just want to know about what's going on, specifically with what we cover with this show, there is a new Instagram page. It's fact underscore or underscore fantasy. Same on Instagram and TikTok. Uh, outside of that, just want to give a big shout out to our host site, Podbean. They put us on their uh, feature list for the longest time. Super excited. Love working with them. You can find us on uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. We are there. And uh, we have our own website as well. You can follow along. And sometimes, especially with the big arcs that we're going to cover, we'll also put up videos that you can follow along with as we go through these big episodes. But uh, for this one, this is all we got for this week. Looking forward to next week. We're going to cover something different, completely different. We're going to get back into a series. Not going to give anything away. Tune into Instagram to find out what we're going to cover next week. That's exactly how we're going to build up from there. Outside of that, really excited to uh, bring this to you today. Even more excited for next week. You guys know this has been another ridiculous production. Chase and Josh. Factor Fantasy. Signing off. off.